When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Sooner Nation Podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld, flying solo, but that's all good. We got lots to talk about, uh, such as Dylan Gabriel's transfer to UCLA. We'll talk about why that's good for the University of Oklahoma, while Caleb Williams is out there dropping major hints on social media. A couple of uh, coaches returning to the Sooners uh, for the bowl game. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are you comfortable with coaches from USC coaching your defense against Oregon? Early signing period has started. Oklahoma with 14 signed letters of intent. Who else is still out there? We'll jump into all that. As well as true or false. I'm flying solo, so that means we're reaching out to you guys to give us your true or false responses. And that's uh, exactly what you did. And once again, just uh, can't say thank you enough for that. Let's start with Dylan Gabriel. Um, This is huge for the University of Oklahoma because... If you follow the rumor mill, if you follow the the, lie, the line of logic or the line of thinking and so forth out there in regards to Dylan Gabriel, this is a kid that was supposed to be a, quote, backup plan for Jeff Lebby and the University of Oklahoma, assuming that Caleb Williams would leave and go Anywhere, you know, you, you pick where he's going to go. But assume, you know, a lot of people thought he'd follow Lincoln Riley to USC. A lot of people thought he'd try to get back closer to home. Totally overlooking the fact that his family now lives in Norman. So Norman, Oklahoma is as close to home as this kid's going to get. But the idea was if Caleb Williams chose to go and be coached by Lincoln Riley in Southern California or go be coached by somebody else, then the relationship that Dylan Gabriel had developed with Jeff Levy at the University of Central Florida was going to be strong enough to bring Gabriel into Oklahoma to kind of make a bridge between, you know, whoever the next guy is in the line of succession, be it a Nick, a Nick Evers or Micah Bowens or, or somebody, somebody else along the line. I, you know, that's not even on campus at this point. There was communication. We do know there was communication between Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel. We also know that Dylan Gabriel wanting to kind of close out his career as not being a backup. I mean, this guy was a star at Central Florida trying to look at uh, at a place that could kind of like Jalen Hurts, uh, except for Jalen Hurts was in a backup role. Dylan Gabriel was in a starting role, but he's looking for a place where he can boost his draft stock with one more year of college football remaining and and that, that would have been fine to come to Oklahoma. Oklahoma absolutely could have checked that box for him and been that place as long as Caleb Williams wasn't here. And if Caleb Williams is going to be in Norman, then Dylan Gabriel's not going to be in Norman. And now Dylan Gabriel announces on Thursday that he is, in fact, heading to Westwood, California to sign and play his final year 
of college football with the UCLA Bruins. So if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're ecstatic about this news because that means there's a a good chance that Dylan Gabriel got the memo, got the message that Caleb Williams is in fact staying at the University of Oklahoma. Now, I don't think that Caleb Williams is looking for a big type of pep rally announcement that he's staying. I think there's a really good chance that... um, I think there's a really good chance that we're going to learn for sure uh, about Caleb Williams staying when someone asks him after the bowl game. Uh, he could announce it then, or it could be something that we don't know this until we see his name you know, on the student enrollment for the spring semester. But the point is, I do think Caleb Williams has enough class, um, enough um, foresight, enough consideration to know that here's a kid who's a talented quarterback who's in the transfer portal who can land somewhere and help a team. And Kenneth Williams isn't going to string a guy along like that. So Dylan Gabriel probably knows more about the Kenneth situation than you and I do or anybody else outside of that program. But it is looking positive. If, if you're looking for hints, there's there's nothing out there. He, he just did this uh, podcast uh, for the podcast on the prairie that the fullbacks do. Um, and and Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall were fantastic with having Caleb Williams on, which I, I think it's appropriate. Um, it, it's really cr- crazy. It's the first public interview that Caleb Williams has done since he became the starting quarterback. I Really, since he got to Norman, it's the first public interview that he did. And these guys were spectacular with it. I, I encourage you, if you've not seen this podcast interview, it's about 30 minutes long. We actually have it posted uh, at Heartland Sports. Uh, here we get into our shameless plug for the website, heartland-sports.com, and it's, you don't have to scroll very far to see it. We've got a story about Kenneth Williams dropping hints, and uh, that full interview, uh, video interview, is is right there. Uh, for you guys to see just and, and by the way if you go watch that I believe that's going to help these it's going to help Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall out because they're trying to like everybody else I think they're trying to monetize uh, who they are as football players and and you know clicks clicks and listens e- equals dollars I mean that's how it works for us at Heartland Sports in here on this podcast so I can't see that not being the same case uh, across the board but it's not, it wasn't really anything he said in the podcast. He talked, I mean, he talked about recruiting. He talked about the change of coaches. Um, he talked about Spencer Rattler. He, he talked about taking over uh, in the Texas game. I mean, he just said some great, great interview, but there's nothing solid. And, and to Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis's credit, they never came out and said, hey, dude, what's the deal? Are you coming back next year? That never happened. And it, I think rightfully so, it didn't happen. But then later in the week on Wednesday, punter Michael Turk announces that he is, in fact, going to come back. Now, Michael Turk is possibly one of the best, if not the best, punters in America. He just didn't, Oklahoma's offense didn't allow him the opportunity to really showcase his skill to to the standpoint that he would qualify for the Ray Guide Award or something like that, but... This is an asset, definitely a weapon that Oklahoma is getting back. We saw him flip field positions multiple times over the season just because of how strong of a leg he has. But Michael Turk, he he announces he's coming back on Wednesday. And then later on in the evening, he tweets at Caleb Williams. 
Now, he's already announced he's coming back, but then he tweets at Caleb Williams and says something along the lines of, hey, are you even going to let me punt? I mean, are you in, in offense? Am I even going to have opportunity? Are you planning to let me punt next year when I come back uh, for the students? Now, he's not talking bowl game. I saw some comments say, oh, he's talking about the bowl game. No, he clearly says next fall. All right, Next fall are the words that Michael Turk uses in this tweet to Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams responds. He responds and says, hey, I don't plan on it. Uh, he says some long lines of don't plan on it, but hey, it happens. So there, I mean, look, there you have that. And, and that's where we are, okay? <laughs> that's where we are as Oklahoma fans. That's where the media is. That's where everybody who covers this team is just trying to find something that's an indicator of what Caleb Williams' intentions are. But apparently we know his intentions are not to let Michael Turk punt very much next year. And that's that's about as best as you're going to get in this type of situation with this kid right now. And I think it's okay. But if you want to know how big of a story this is with Caleb Williams, if you want to know like how much space this is occupying, well, it's all found in, in this, this one fact right here, that Wednesday was the beginning of the early signing period. Oklahoma signed a top 10 class, by the way, that we're going to jump into here in just a minute. But Caleb Williams is a story. Whether you're talking about the podcast interview or whether you're talking about the tweet with Michael Turk, on a day that Oklahoma is signing the first recruiting class under Brent Venables, it's all about Caleb Williams and what he's going to do at the University of Oklahoma. So there you have it. Um, that's the best we can tell you. That's the best we can report. That's probably the best you're going to find. Uh, and obviously, we're not the only ones who are publishing and talking about that. But I will say we were one of the first. Give us credit. We were one of the first uh, to get that out there. This is a Sooner Nation podcast. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can send us an email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. You can drop a comment at the uh, podcast page at heartland-sports.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys and uh, and let you, you know, if you want to participate, you want to send us a true or false question for a future episode, whatever you want to do, we're here for it. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to talk coaches. We're going to talk early signing period. And then we've got your true or false questions coming up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Three coaches coming back to help Oklahoma play Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Brian Odom, Jamar Kane, Calvin Thibodeau all coming back to this staff to coach the defense, all taking on their uh, previous roles as they were coaches here for the University of Oklahoma. And the question I have for you is, how comfortable are you with this? How comfortable are you with coaches that are coaching for other programs coming back and coaching your team uh, in this era of of what, I mean, let's just call it college football free agency. There's no other explanation for it. A kid can play on December 29th and hit the transfer portal on December 30th and be either in Dallas, Texas, or Los Angeles, California by January 1st to start the spring semester. There's no doubt these guys have the 
they, they just have the ability to recruit players from Oklahoma's depth chart while they're here. Um, and I, you know, there's some guys, there's some guys I wouldn't think that that would even be a possibility. And I, I don't think Calvin Thibodeau would, Thibodeau would do that. I really don't. He, he's a guy who played for this program. He knew the defensive staff wasn't going to be retained. He had an opportunity to take a position at SMU, and he took that opportunity. I don't, I don't blame him. I, I don't know that I had the same trust level for Brian Odom. By the way, another former Sooner. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I have the same trust level for Jamar Kane. I, I just, I don't, I, I don't have that trust level because these are guys who we already know. We already know these guys went out and recruited against Oklahoma. We already know that they went out and and tried to pluck away and successfully plucked away a few Oklahoma offensive and defensive recruits. They, we, we know this. But the flip side of that is to play devil's advocate and and to look at the other side of this coin. Here's what we also know. We we know that none of these guys would have been on Brent Venable's staff. And I am surprised about Calvin Thibodeau. I am surprised about Brian Odom because I I said a couple weeks ago in one of the podcasts that the guys that were Sooners, I, I, I thought that they would be retained. I thought that they would they would be there, but Brian Odom has been. It looks like he's been in the mix for this USC change from day one, and the plan from day one was for Brian Odom to not be in Norman, Oklahoma, but to be in Southern California. But regardless, if he even if he wanted to stay, if there's a guy who wanted to stay on this team with this staff, then that guy would have been Calvin Thibodeau. But Brent Venables is burning down the speed defense. He's burning it down to the foundation, and he's going to rebuild it. And instead of seeing smaller, faster players, Brent Venables wants bigger, more powerful players on his defense. And I think guys that that coach that way, guys that bought into that mentality, those are the guys that he doesn't want around his program. But, you got three of them coming back to coach the bowl game. And it, it really is a question out there. I mean, it really is a statement out there as, as to how, how much do you care about this as a fan? How much does this affect you when you, when you see guys coming in and out of the game? Because let's be honest, this is an audition for a lot of young players. This is an audition for a lot of guys who, like Isaiah Coe, who had been a role player. Isaiah Coe has the ability, has the opportunity in front of him next year to step into a, a, a defining role, much in the way of Perry on Winfrey, with this defense being that man in the middle. And we're going to see, well, I mean, we're going to see firsthand against Oregon if he can dominate the line of scrimmage to the same tune, to the same ability, to the same capability that Perrin Winfrey did. But it's an audition for Isaiah Coe. No no doubt about it. It's an audition. And the question is, what if if Brian Odom sees something he likes? What if Jamar Cain sees something he likes? Are they going to be whispering in the ear of a guy like Isaiah Coe? What about a guy like Jaden Davis? Think about the the plight of Jaden Davis, who from his freshman year was one of the more standout cornerbacks that Oklahoma has had to a guy who's just kind of been passed up on the depth chart 
I mean, think about how fundamentally sound Jaden Davis was his first year at Oklahoma. And, and he, he stood out because he was fundamentally sound. Everywhere, everyone around him was so bad fundamentally that this guy as a freshman stood out. Well, now he's been passed up by guys who are taller, guys who are faster. And we've seen Jaden Davis kind of slide down in the depth chart. Is Jaden Davis the kind of guy that Jamar Cain might whisper in his ear? That Brian Odom might whisper in his ear? Hey, we're pretty thin out in Los Angeles. So there is that side of it. But then there's the, also the side that there's the version of this story where these guys are coming back. I mean, they're, they're giving effort to come back to try to help Oklahoma finish the season strong. They, they have, I mean, they've, they've invested sweat equity into this team. They've, they've, they've done the early mornings. They've done the film session. They've, they've done the, the chalkboard talk. They have a vested interest in these guys that are going to go out and be playing against Oregon. And I know it's easy to say, well, they left. Well, they did. They did leave. I mean, there's, there's no denying that. I think the question, though, I think the question that we need to approach this with is now that they are coming back, should they be, should they be commended for this? Or should they be condemned for this? I mean, really, I, I don't think Oklahoma fans are going to boo them because in booing them, you're going to boo the team. But Brian Odom, he's going to be the play caller for this defense. I, I look, I, I don't, I honestly, I can't, I can't tell you where I stand on this. I, I think if I'm Bob Stoops, I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on these guys. I'm thinking if I'm Bob Stoops, I never let these guys be alone with my players. But I mean, Bob Stoops needed help. I mean, it's and Brent Venables. I I said this from 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 the get go. Brent Venables gets here and begins to put his staff together. Hey, look, recruiting's not over. It's not finished. Putting his staff together is it, that's all coming coming uh, full circle. But recruiting's not finished. There's a lot of things that Brent Venables needs to be doing. There's a lot of things that his staff needs to be doing right now that doesn't involve bowl prep. So Bob Stoops had to have the help from somewhere. He had to get someone to come in. And I think contractually, there were some obligations here anyway. But I mean, this has the all the possibilities of a major meltdown in the in San Antonio. It really does. Because I don't know that you can make an argument and make a case that these coaches are, are going to be fully bought in. And you've already seen Nick Benito opt out. You, we talked about Perry Winfrey opting out. Isaiah Thomas is opting out. Brian Asamoah opting out. Arguably, you're losing four of your best defenders in this game because they're opting out. Does that... Does that affect the psyche, the mentality, the preparation of a guy like Brian Odom who's going to be your play caller? Man, we, we've got a lot to talk about leading up to the Alamo Bowl with Oregon, and we'll jump way, way more in-depth in that starting next week. But this is definitely something to start be, to begin to ponder. How comfortable are you with this situation? Whether it's you're talking about as a re- recruiting perspective or a game plan and prep perspective, how comfortable are you 
with this situation. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Let us know about it. Find a find a comment page, heartland-sports.com. We'll love to hear from you on this. So the college football early signing period is here. It is upon us. It has finally arrived in what seemed to be just a couple weeks ago, a tanking recruiting class for Oklahoma for 2022 actually is quite strong. Sooners uh, have 14 signed players, signed commitments, 13 coming on Wednesday, one coming on Thursday. Um, and you got to, I mean, look, there's a lot of credit that's got to go out to to Brent Vittables and to Bob Stoops and so forth for putting this class together and making this happen. Currently, the only player committed to the University of Oklahoma who has not signed is Gentry Williams. And a lot of people are looking, asking and wondering, hey, is this something, should we be worried about it? Is Should we be concerned? I, I do think I do think there is a little bit of concern. There's a little bit of reason for concern, and, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, Ginger Williams has said that he is committed to the University of Oklahoma. He's not changing. He's not decommitting. But he does want to have more talks with this defensive staff, and he wants to weigh his options. He wants to make sure he, he ends up in the, in the best situation for him. And I don't, I don't think you can blame him for that. I really don't. I, I don't think it's something that Oklahoma fans could and should hold against him. But one thing we've learned as Oklahoma fans particularly was when a guy doesn't sign early and he kind of waits it out, it opens up the opportunity. It opens up those doors for other programs to come in and kind of swoop. Because if you're not signing, if you're if you're not on the dotted line, that, that means you're not certain about where your future lies within this program, and you're not 100% on board with the program at the time. Otherwise, you would sign. And the reason why I say there's a little bit of a, a pause for concern here with Ginger Williams is to keep in mind, he was heavily recruited by USC. Heavily recruited. Then USC fires the coach, which, I mean, it's not like he was leaning towards USC over Oklahoma, but all the momentum swung back to Oklahoma to stay home, to be, a, you know, play for the state school, the home school, you know, represent a home. Well, guess who's in, guess who's at USC now? That's right. I mean, let's, these dots are not hard to connect. The coaching staff that was recruiting him to Oklahoma away from USC is now the coaching staff that's at USC. And look, there's there's no reason, absolutely no reason, no reason to think that these coaches won't reach out to Gentry Williams. I mean, what, the very first thing Lincoln Riley did when he arrived in, in California was to, to, to go visit Rayleigh Brown. Hey, I know you committed to Oklahoma, but the question is, did you commit to Oklahoma or did you commit to me? Because now... I'm at USC, and you can stay home in your home state. And you can still play for me, still be a part of my system. If they're going after these guys that, uh, you know, Makai Lemon and all these guys that Oklahoma had committed for both 2022 and 2023, if they're going after those guys, you you know they're going to go after Gentry Williams. So the question is, you know, what can Brent Venable sell to Gentry Williams that's better than what Lincoln Riley is going to offer out at USC. And I, I do think the the one thing that the one thing 
I think there's multiple things, right? But the one thing that stands out the most, because you, you can say, hey, you know what? Your family gets to see you play every weekend. Whether it's in Norman or whether it's regionally in the Big 12 or off into the SEC, your family gets to see you play every weekend. If you go to if you go to USC, your your games are going to start at ten thirty on Saturday night. How much how much access is your family going to have to you? So you can you can you can play that game if you want to, and those are all valid points. But I do think the one thing that stands out above everything else that Brent Venables has is stability. Oklahoma didn't. I mean, Lincoln Riley leaving this program. It could have been catastrophic. It could have been catastrophic. You saw people say, man, this is this has set us back 10 years. This has set us back 15 years. We're all the way back to the John Blake era now. I mean, you saw all these overreactions to Lincoln Riley leaving. And really, Brent Venables has come in. It's been a smooth transition. It's been he's hired great coordinators. He is a figurehead of college football. Even Caleb Williams is like, you know, Caleb Williams, when he did that that interview I talked about earlier in the, in the podcast tonight, he was like, yeah, I, I knew Brent Venables. I knew him from my visits to, to Clemson and that recruiting process. So, I mean, this is a figurehead in college football. So stability is what Brent Venables has to offer. This program, I believe, is more stable than what the USC program is. This program is more viable to make a run than than what the USC program is. Clay Helton did not leave a lot to for for Lincoln Riley, and I'm okay with that. Lincoln Riley knew what he was getting into, and now Lincoln Riley's going to have to deal with a media that that won't that that won't adore him. I, I hate to use that phrase, but they're going to use a media that. He's going to face a media that's going to be heavily critical. He's going to face a fan. He's going to have a fan base that's not going to be super supportive, if supportive at all. I mean, he, he's going to see, he's going to live the definition of, of bandwagon fans. If he wants to sell out the road, sell it out. If he wants, if he wants to have the number of people in the Rose Bowl that he puts in the stadium in Norman, Oklahoma, which by the way, I don't believe that. I don't believe 85,000 is a sell at at the Rose Bowl. If he wants to sell that out, he's going to have to have a top five program. So things are are not going to be stable initially for Lincoln Riley. I, I think he can stabilize it. I think he can resurrect that program. I hope he doesn't. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with I'm with the average Sooner fan who just wishes him nothing but sorrow and misery. But I think he can. I think he's capable of doing it. But it's going to take two or three years. Two or three years from now, Ginger Williams is going to be a junior in college. Does he want to wait that long, that far from home, with his games being played at 1030 Central Time? Family tuning in. I mean, grandma's gonna she's gonna stay up that late to watch him play. So I, I think there's stability that, that Brent Venables can sell to Ginger Williams that Lincoln Riley can't. So I is there is there a reason to be a little bit concerned that Ginger Williams did not sign yet? I think so. Is there a lot of reason to be concerned? No. It just means that Brent Venables isn't finished recruiting yet. 
Xavier and Bryce jumps from Oklahoma to Texas. Um, you know, that, that's one guy that, that jumped out of this class and, and went in with the Longhorns and, and their big payday uh, that they're giving to recruits. Um, and that's okay. It's, it's fine. I, Oklahoma's still fine where they are. Caden Helms was the uh, the last player to sign. He signed on Thursday. Uh, there was no school uh, at his school on, on Wednesday. He wanted to sign uh, from the school with his uh, classmates and peers around him, so he waited till Thursday. But he has officially signed. That's the 14th signed letter of intent that, that Oklahoma ha- has received. So really, w- when you look at it, at what was in this class, what was the, the commitments that were there on the cusp on the eve of National Signing Day, you got them all except for Gentry Williams, who still committed, not signed, and Xavion Bryce, who went on to Texas. And and I saw a lot of people upset about Texas and and what they're doing with the NLI and so forth. And that's that look, that's play the game, okay? That that's what college football is now. Yeah, it's 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 everybody makes money now, including the players. And if Texas can use that to turn their program around, then so be it. But here's the thing. Texas was an absolute dumpster fire in the first year under Steve Sarkeesian. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how much you offer a kid on an NLI deal. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because it's not going to change all of the people who have their hand in the pot in terms of that Texas football program. It, It won't. Giving these guys $50,000 to come play for the University of Texas, that will not change the uh, the involvement of the boosters in the in the athletic program, particularly in the football program. In fact, you could say paying these guys, giving them money to come and to be a part of the, uh, the Texas program, actually paying these players that kind of money, that's actually going to make things worse. For Steve Sarkeesian, I, I promise you, Steve Sarkeesian is probably scratching his head in frustration because those boosters who check in two or three times a week, they're going to be checking in four or five times a week now. Those boosters who want to have a hand in, in saying who his starting quarterback's going to be, he went from two or three boosters to five or six boosters saying, this is the guy you need to start. Remember, I mean, he, he couldn't hire Mike Stoops. He was actually blocked from hiring Mike Stoops as the defensive coordinator. And I know Mike Stoops, when he left Oklahoma, people were like, yeah, this guy's not good anymore. He's not You know what? Mike Stoops is a lot better than what they had last year. I'm not saying a Mike Stoops defense would have run the Big 12, but it would have been a lot better than, than what. I don't think Mike Stoops gets beat by Kansas. Just throwing that out there. So, yeah, Xavier Bryce, go. Get some money. Get paid. But I think what we're going to end up seeing with this NLI stuff I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of guys mortgage their NFL futures for $50,000, $100,000 in college. The guys who could go and be developed at other programs into top-round draft picks, they're going to lose that because they're, I mean, you're going to offer an 18-year-old kid $50,000 to come to your program. And that 18-year-old kid, he's not going to be thinking a lot about development for the NFL. He's not going to be thinking a lot about the, the, the money difference between a first, second-round draft pick and a fourth and fifth, sixth-round draft pick. I mean, and that's something that can't be oversold. It can't be overlooked. Why did Jalen Hurts come to the University of Oklahoma? Think about this. This is how valuable this, this development thing is. 
Jalen Hurts came to the University of Oklahoma so he could develop himself into a higher draft grade. And he came from Alabama. He came from the best football program in the country. He left there to come to Oklahoma so he could be developed into a higher draft pick. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to miss out on those type of opportunities because they're only going to be focused on $50,000 right now as I'm coming out of high school. So just because you're paying kids doesn't mean that you get to remove the dumpster fire that is your football program. It doesn't mean that you suddenly learn or have gained the, uh, the ability to develop players. And it certainly doesn't mean you're going to be, su- be successful. Trust me, the pressure just got amped up all the more. All the more on Steve Sarkeesian. So Oklahoma with 14 signed letters of intent. 11 of those prospects are four-star recruits according to 24-7 Sports. The other three are three-star recruits. Keep in mind that um, that Ginger Williams is also a four-star. So if and when he does sign, that's going to be 12 four-star recruits. There's a name out there because Oklahoma's not finished. Brent Venables, this this staff, they're not finished with 14 or 15. Um, and and the most the most immediate name out there, the the biggest name that Oklahoma fans need to keep an eye on is the kid out of Kansas, Jaron Kanak, um, the number one player from the state of Kansas. Uh, he's he's ranked as an athlete. Um, Brent Venables was recruiting him to Clemson as a linebacker, outside linebacker. I'm confident that's where they would like for him to play at the University of Oklahoma. He's also a four-star recruit. Um, But there's just some, I don't want to use the word politics, but I think that's what's happening right now. Everybody, you got Oklahoma insiders, you got Clemson insiders, you got Kansas State insiders, you got Steve Wilfong. Everybody is casting crystal ball predictions that Kanak is going to end up at Oklahoma. The problem with it right now is that he is committed to Clemson. Brent Venables is committed to not actively pursuing anybody who's committed from Clemson. And so it's kind of like a standoff, if you will, where Venables is like, I need you to decommit from Clemson before I can jump in full bore with you. And Kanak is uh, like, you know, I need you to jump in before I decommit. So there's this big standoff going on right now. I think at the end of the day, this kid's going to come from Kansas to Oklahoma and not Kansas to South Carolina. I just Everything just makes way more sense in terms of where he's going to end up in college because, again, sir, you know, geographically it makes sense. The, the guy that was recruiting you that you committed to is in Norman. It makes sense. Just got to get some red tape out of the way. But so when, when you look at, where Oklahoma is right now, number 10 nationally, number two in the Big 12. Those are great numbers considering where they were. I mean, when you, when you consider where they were when Lincoln Riley bolted, the last time we recorded a podcast, think about this. The last time we recorded a podcast, which was Sunday, uh, so four days ago from this recording, Rich and I talked about Oklahoma's recruiting class. This was a recruiting class that was in the 20s at that point. I think they were 22nd, 21st, somewhere around there. They were in the 20s. And they jumped up to number nine. They lose Xavion Bryce, so that drops them down to number 10. But it just doing quick math, easy numbers, 
If you add Gentry Williams, a four-star recruit, if you add Jaron Kanak, a four-star recruit, that makes up for more than makes up for what you lost in Xavion Bryce. Now, there's still two months and some change left of the, you know, uh, of the recruiting time. Well, I guess uh, really technically a month and a half. You got all of January and, and a week into February. So you got two weeks of December still, all of January. So you got you got a month and a half. How's that? So there's still a lot to shake out with this recruiting class. But at the end of the day, Oklahoma's going to have a top 10 class. And it looks more like they're going to be inside the top 10 as opposed to right at the top 10 where they are right now. So let's close this out with um, true or false. And again, we reached out to you guys through social media to get your take on things. Once again, you did not disappoint with that. So we got five, five true or false statements. You know how it works, but uh, just in case it's your first time, uh, five statements and we'll say whether they are true or false and we'll say why they are either true or false. And these are all five coming from you guys, the listener. And uh, man, we just, uh, again, can't say how much. Uh, we appreciate that. You can hit us up again on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, give us your true or false question if you want to use it for another episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. We really cherish that and we'll try our best to get to those. So here we go. This is from Caleb. Uh, true or false, Bob Stoops should get more credit for this recruiting class than what he is right now. Uh, absolutely true. Remember, Bob Stoops is the guy who went out and started um, started visiting with guys and started trying to hold things together. And and then Brent Venables came in, Jeff Levy came in, these guys came in, you know, Ted Roof, they came in and they closed the deals. But Bob Stoops kept the deals open. And, uh, look, you know, Bob Stoops, he's the king. He, he, what he did for this program beginning in 1999 and what he continues to do for this program uh, as we uh, rapidly approach the year 2022, uh, it's, uh, it's unprecedented. And, and, and I, I keep throwing this out there because I don't think this gets talked about enough. But Bob Stoops, you know, he, it's not just game planning for the Alamo Bowl. It's not just working. He, he's working with graduate assistants who are getting promoted into position coaching jobs. He he's working with a coach from SMU. He's working with two coaches from USC trying to put together Oklahoma's best opportunity to win this bowl game. And he's hitting the recruiting trail. This is a guy who was playing golf when Lincoln Riley announced that he was heading out to California. And all of that, all of that and Bob Stoops isn't taking a salary. He's not taking a dime for his efforts to keep this program held together. But absolutely, Bob Stoops deserves a lot of credit. And, and Bob Stoops, he, he even said that he didn't expect a lot of, he didn't expect these guys to really know who he was or understand his, his the prominence that he had uh, in the college football ranks. And as he went into recruits' homes and so forth, they absolutely knew who Bob Stoops was. And it was a big deal to have Bob Stoops walk in that front door and visit with these kids. Um, and you know who else deserves a lot of credit and, and isn't getting what he deserves is Joe John Finley. Go back, go, go through Twitter, go through Facebook, go whatever social media platform you use, Instagram, whatever, and go back and look at these guys. Look at these recruits. I, I feel like Joe John Finley is in almost every single photo that's out there. So yeah, Brent Venables is going to get a lot of uh, a lot of credit for for making this a top ten class, and he should. 
Jeff Levy is going to get a lot of credit for bringing in guys at, uh, you know in the twelfth hour, and he should. But man, Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops absolutely uh, held this together and um, and should be committed for it, and I think he will be. I I, I doubt they will let this go without recognizing how fantastic uh, of an interim head coach they have in Hall of Famer Bob Stoops. Okay, here we go. This is from uh, from Maurice. Uh, Caleb Williams, true or false? Caleb Williams is staying but just trying to avoid the drama. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think how I want to respond to this. I do think Caleb Williams is staying. Uh, we talked about that earlier to, to start off this podcast. Um and I've been saying this all along. I mean, I've, I've been saying for a while um, that, he, he, look, he's going to basketball games. Jeff Levy is innovative. I just, the only reason he wouldn't want to stay, the only reason he doesn't stay is if he doesn't want to be in Norman anymore. His family lives here. He He's he's the big man on campus. Um, everybody loves him. I think he's staying. I've been saying that for a long time now. But the whole drama thing is is what's throwing me off on this because I feel like the very, the last and I, Caleb I don't think Caleb Williams is a everybody look at me type person Spencer Rattler was and I'm not saying that in a in a negative way but Spencer Rattler was definitely a guy who was very aware of his image very aware of of monetizing himself and his image. And I think that was part of his downfall at the University of Oklahoma. Caleb Williams isn't that guy. Caleb Williams is the team guy. He's going to tell team before me. Uh, he's he's the guy who loves being a college kid. He loves being on campus. He loves going to the games. You're going to see him. I mean, you're seeing him at basketball now. 100% in the spring, you're going to see him at softball games. You're going to see him at baseball games. The guy is enjoying life as a college kid. So the drama thing, I feel like... The most anticlimactic way is for Caleb Williams just to send out on a, on a, a tweet or Instagram post. Yeah, I'm back. I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. I think if he's trying to avoid drama, then then that's that's the best way to go with it. I think really what's happening here is that Caleb Williams doesn't necessarily feel like he needs to come straight out and say, I'm staying. He, I mean, this is the guy, he committed to the University of Oklahoma. He's still on campus in Norman. He's playing in the bowl game. Yeah, he said he's going to weigh his options after the, the Alamo Bowl. I think that's very fair. But where other guys just immediately jumped in the portal and they're gone. By the way, we called that on Spencer Rattler, right? You remember when I said if if this team doesn't make the playoffs, Spencer Rattler's out of here. He won't be here for the bowl game. So you got guys who just the minute they lost Bedlam, boom, they're out with Lincoln Riley. Rattler's gone. Stogner's gone. You know, go down that list. And then you got guys who are opting out for the NFL. I think there's a lot to be said about the loyalty of Caleb Williams. And I think what he's thinking in his mind, what I think is right, is that the loyalty speaks for itself. The fact that he's on campus, the fact that he's practicing and is going to lead this team on the field against Oregon, that should be the only statement that he needs to make at this moment in this time. 
And this idea that he's got to come out with some sort of big statement, some sort of, you know, uh, you know, they, they do all these uh, artistic cover graphic designs for I'm staying or I'm going. That, that idea is fan driven. It's, it's not driven by the athlete. It's not driven by Caleb Williams. I feel like his thought process is I did that coming out of high school. Why do I need to do that again for a team that I'm already a part of? So there, there's that. Um, take it for, for what you will or what you want. All right, here we go. The next one. Brent Venables will need to hit the transfer portal. Um, yeah, that's true. By the way, this is from Sally. Hey, we got, uh, uh, I don't know that we've, I'm sure we've had females chime in before, but there we go. Sally. Um, gosh, I hope that's a female name. <laughs> Brent Venables will need to hit the transfer portal, true or false. Yeah, it's true. I just, where, where, what positions? I think you look at interior defensive linemen as, as a possibility, depending on what Kennedy Brooks does. Um, I think you look at running back as a possibility. Absolutely. You look at their wide receivers as a possibility. You've got Caleb Williams coming back. Are you satisfied with the depth of your quarterback room? Uh, obviously, if Caleb Williams bolts, then absolutely you have no choice but to hit the transfer portal. Uh, but yeah, I, I think offensively, defensively, um, you might look at defensive backs. Um, what's DeLaren Turner Yell going to do? Um, so I, I think I think you're just waiting to see where you need to hit the transfer portal. And then they're, they're going to be very intentional with what they do out of the transfer portal. They're not, they're not taking a guy just because he's a quarterback and they need a quarterback. They're going to take a guy because he's a quarterback. They need a quarterback and he fits what they need. So if they're, they're, it's not going to be a body count. It's not going to be a numbers game. You know, we got to have four quarterbacks. We got to have five uh, running backs. We got to have eight wide receivers. It's not like they're going to just fill in roster spots to fit numbers. These guys have to fit what the program needs, both on the field, personality wise, and then ability wise, schematically and philosophically. So, yes, they'll they'll go to the transfer portal, and yes, they'll pull guys out of it. But the number of those guys is going to determine be determined by the the end count after after December 29th after the Alamo Bowl you're going to know basically what your what your roster looks like is or is going to look like that's when you go to the, the players and you say hey I need to know I I, I we got to move forward we're still recruiting for this cycle transfer portals opening up I need to know what you're doing and based off of that that's when they'll start really hitting that portal but um but uh, I, I don't, I mean, look, does he, does he need to? Yes. Will he? Yes. In what capacity? That's yet to be determined. Here we go. From Alex, uh, the Pac-12 won't be as easy as Lincoln Riley thought. Um, no, this is interesting. This really is interesting because um, going in, you thought, okay, you really had to get, you really had to get, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to spend a long time talking about uh, Lincoln Riley because I, I know that's kind of like uh, several of you guys listen to the podcast, right? And as soon as I read that question, you're like, right? But hey, Alex asked, and so we're gonna, we're just gonna jump in here for just a minute and talk about it. I said uh, when Lincoln Riley left, it made sense because Lincoln Riley can be top dog really fast in the Pac-12. It'll take a long time to be top dog in the SEC because that's Nick Saban's spot right now 
and I mean Kirby Smart as making a play on it and so forth. But but think about what think about what has happened in the Pac-12 since Lincoln Riley is gone. I mean Mario Cristobal he's out, and now you got Lane Kiffin to compete with offensively. I mean right because Lincoln Riley was going to be the offensive juggernaut in a conference that doesn't play defense, and then Lane Kiffin's like, hey, excuse me, wait a minute, I. I I want to I want to talk to you about this offensive juggernaut position, and and you still got what's happening at at, at Utah. Uh, so yeah, I do I do think that the Pac-12 has become more difficult since Lincoln Riley went there. It's not a kind of a shoe-in type situation as it was, and 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 go back to stability. What I talked about with uh, with Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch. Oh, forgive me for that one. When I talked about Brent Venables recruiting Gentry Williams and and selling the stability of the Oklahoma football program, both Oregon, even though they're going through a coaching change, and Utah are more stable than what USC is right now. So I I do think it will be more difficult than what Lincoln Riley and uh, the pundits and guys like me thought uh, initially when he made the move. Here we go. Last but not least, uh, Nick Evers. True or false, Nick Evers was the key to turning this 2022 recruiting class around. Um, Nick Evers, quarterback from Flower Mound, Texas, Florida Gator commit, now a part of Oklahoma's 2022 class. That was a Jeff Levy deal. That that was like the first scholarship Jeff Levy offered um, was to Nick Evers. And and I do think that's a big deal, but I'm going to say this is false. And here's the reason why. Because I think Kobe McKenzie, linebacker, uh, who had left Oklahoma, went to, to commit to Texas, um, and then swung back around after having a meeting with Brent Venables. I think that was the biggest play in turning this recruiting class around because you had guys jumping ship. You had guys on their way out the door. Bob Stoops trying to hold it together. And when Brent Venables was able to sit down and talk to Kobe McKenzie and get Kobe McKenzie back as a part of this 2023 class, that was a big big, big deal. And so I, I think as much as I, I do appreciate and respect the Nick Evers commitment and how quickly that was done uh, and, and the last minute, I think uh, I think linebacker uh, Kobe McKenzie was probably a bigger deal in terms of getting this class turned back around just because as the influence he had already had as a previous member of this class and then to come back to it. So there you have it. Hey, this is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld flying solo. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening and being a part of it. Again, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can find us on the internet at heartland-sports.com. We've got Oklahoma Sooner content, Oklahoma City Thunder content. Uh, we got it all for you there, and uh, we'll be getting into bowl prep and, and everything coming up next week. So make sure to check it out and tune in on, on that. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Enjoy your time. Boomer Sooner.